We're so excited to share this teaching message with you from Sikamo Church, Ibadan, Nigeria. We believe God knows you and loves you, and through His Word, He expresses His plans and purposes for your life. We hope that you open up your heart and really sense God speak to you through this message from our pastor, Tolulokwe Moody. Let's get right into the service and be blessed by this message. Now, if you have a Bible, please pick it up. We're going to remain standing for the reading of God's Word. And um, if you have the Bible, just come down to the book of Matthew, the 19th chapter. I'm going to read from the message translation, if you have that. Otherwise, it will be on the screen. I'm going to read from the 4th verse to the 12th verse of Matthew and the 19th chapter. And then I'll read a verse in 1 Corinthians and the 7th chapter, and then we'll be good to go. Matthew chapter 19 and... Verse 4, he answered, haven't you read in your Bible that the creator originally made man and woman for each other, male and female? And because of this, a man leaves his father and mother and is firmly bonded to his wife, becoming one flesh, no longer two bodies, but one. And because God created this organic union of the two sexes, no one should desecrate his art his art by putting them apart. They shot back in rebuttal. They said, if that's so, why did Moses give instructions for divorce papers and divorce procedures? Jesus said, Moses provided for divorce as a concession to your hard-heartedness, but it is not part of God's original plan. I'm holding you to the original plan and holding you liable for adultery if you divorce your faithful wife and then marry someone else. I make an exception in the cases where the spouse has committed adultery. Verse 10, Jesus' disciples objected. If those are the terms of marriage, we're stuck. Why get married? Jesus said, not everyone is mature enough to live a married life. It takes, it requires a certain aptitude and grace. Marriage isn't for everyone. Now watch this. Some from birth seemingly never give marriage a thought. Others never get asked or accepted. Help me kind of ask somebody around you, what category are you? <laughs> I don't know, it was just, it was, it was simple. Okay, 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 it's, 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 let's take out. And some decide, and some, some decide not to get married for kingdom reasons. But if you are capable of growing into the largeness of marriage, do it. 1 Corinthians and the 7th chapter, verse 1, I'm going to read in CEV. Paul writes to the Corinthians, now I will answer the questions that you asked in your letter. You asked, is it best for people not to marry? Let's pray. Jesus, I pray that as we try to expound on your word, I pray that you would really speak to us. Let it really come to us in a way that is so simple that we would understand. And it's so profound that it will change our lives forever. I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name that this will be that moment for somebody here today. Thank you so much, Father. Thank you because Liverpool has won the league. Thank you because you would also bless us with the Champions League and the FA Cup. Everybody said amen. 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 Please be seated this morning. And let's get straight up into God's, God's word. I have something to share with you this morning. Um, last week, 
um, I started out, we started out this series we called um, That Love Thing. And last week I shared with you a message that we called Love is a Beautiful Thing. So today I want to just take it a step further. Can you just shoot me up? And my topic this morning is marriage is a beautiful thing. Marriage is a beautiful thing. I was going to call it sex is a beautiful thing, but I wasn't sure which picture to put, so I just, let's just keep it. <laughs> Marriage is a beautiful thing. I remember clearly when I first um, figured out this, Adam lay with Eve and they conceived a child thing in the Bible. Um, I mean, I used to read it and I used to think, okay, Adam was tired and he dozed off beside Eve. And then um, they had a child. That was the way I used to understand it. And then I was in about primary five, and one of my friends ran to me. I, I, I can tell you his name, but I won't say it. Um, and he said to me, he said, Tolly, do you know that when the Bible says Adam lay with Eve, it's not that they slept next to each other. I said, what was it? And then he began to explain to me, um, you know, probably a few other things that happened um, in that moment. Because I, in my mind, I just thought Adam was tired. Eve was tired, and they lay next to each other, and they kind of had a child. And so it was really um, messed up for me before then, because I remember that we had this auntie who was visiting us at the time. I was really young, and then um, there wasn't that much space in the house, and one thing led to another. And then uh, my auntie said, oh, she would sleep on, on my bed next to me. And I remember, sincerely, brethren, all through the night, I was praying that God don't let her be pregnant. God don't let her be pregnant. Um, and so, so the revelation my friend brought me was really relieving um, in that. Um, and, and for me, it was pretty much like the start of, you could call it a journey of discovering, of learning, of unlearning, of relearning, um, discovering myself, discovering God, discovering um, quite a lot of things. Um, um, you know. maybe, maybe, maybe for you, it's maybe a different story. I don't know if I could walk into your life and say, what are your... Maybe experiences, what are your fears when it comes to things of sex, of things of marriage? Um, what's it like um, standing at your viewpoint? Maybe it's a story of exposures. Um, there, there are people who sometimes I speak with and, you know, by the time they had a, a secondary school certificate, you know, education-wise, they had PhD in sex, you know, um, at, at that time. Um, or maybe even professorship. But... Um, and maybe it's, it's a story when we talk about exposures and things. Maybe it's a story of you as the explorer, you know. Um, um, or maybe it's a story of you as the victim, you know, or as a victim, as not just a, a victimized victim, you know. Um, or if I could step into your world and say, what are your top sex questions today, questions in that regard? Um, maybe you have a few. When I look around the world, the range is really wide, range of questions and of, um, you know, people asking, should I be having sex um, with who, um, what category of human beings, um, with my spouse, um, okay, I'm married, how many times, how often, how many times a week, you know, or what, what really is sex, you know, a lot of young people are asking, you know, about the technicalities, of the point where sex has happened. Because, okay, yes, God says I should not have sex outside of marriage. So technically speaking, um, at what point shall we say, you know, um, is masturbation a sin? Or is it just a cool thing to not offend God? So I just, you know, it's between me and myself, you know. 
Or I'm trying to understand my body and my, my makeup, my composure. And so um, maybe for you it's a story of I, 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 I hug the guy and I feel really horny when I should be feeling holy, you know. Um, if, if any of these things I'm saying relates to you, you can just be raising your hand as I say. But, can I, can, I, can I make out with somebody that I'm dating or, or seriously engaged to during offering we hold hands? So, can I? Or, or maybe for you it's even something like, am I to buy all the items on the bride price list? Am I to buy every one of them? Especially Shizibu. Am I to buy all? You know? Should I, should I negotiate? You know? You know? But I'll start this morning by taking a cue from Paul um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, which we read. And, 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 and I really just want to lean off Paul's wisdom this morning. That's where I'll start from. Uh, Paul, Paul basically is writing to the Corinthians who have written him a letter and they have asked him questions. And I wonder what the questions were for them. You know, they're asking him questions like, you know, is it best for people not to marry? These were the questions in their own marriage space and they're talking a lot about, you know, adultery and things like that, sex outside marriage. And they bombarded Paul with a lot of questions. And so Paul was going to respond to them. And then Paul starts to write the book of 1 Corinthians. And so Paul then writes six chapters in which he's exploring quite a lot of themes. He's talking about stewardship. He's talking about the church of God. He's talking about your identity in Christ. He's talking about a whole lot of things. And then in the seventh chapter, Paul now says, now let's get to the questions that you asked. And I think there's a lot of wisdom in what Paul is doing here because we think that our questions are urgent and important and they are burning and give me an answer. But Paul is saying, look, before we start to, you know, react to questions, there's understanding we must lay as a foundation. We don't start out the conversation from where your questions are. We start out the conversation from answers that God has already laid. And so Paul begins to write to them and say, look, from the first chapter of Corinthians, you start to see about the identity of the believer. You start to see about what Jesus has done and what he calls us holy and how he has set us apart. You start to see Paul teaching about stewardship and how you are a steward and all that God has given to you is stewardship. You start to see Paul talking about, you know, these, these, like, like the context of, of, of the church and of our identity and and all of that in Christ Jesus and then based on that Paul now says let's start to talk about your questions this is what I would say to you you see there's a story within which your questions must be sitting there's a story within which you must be finding the questions don't throw away the story because you have a question Paul is saying that the marriage question and everything in this space has to fit properly within a more general understanding. I was thinking about it this morning and I was going to say, what are the six chapters that you must be understanding before coming to your questions? What are the foundations that you must be laying before coming to your questions? This question space that we live in in this world is not just a space to be reactive. This is what I find. We become very reactive. I was betrayed, so I will never trust anybody. Somebody broke my heart, I will never. Men are like this. Women are like that. We become reactive, building philosophies without understanding as a foundation that there are six chapters to lay before we come into the space of our questions. And so people are living with defenses. All kinds of defenses. You know, from people it's just this thing of finally I have some liberty. I will explore. 
Finally, I can be out where I want to be at 10 p.m., 11 p.m. I will see the end of what is possible. You see, you'll become reactive if you don't lay foundations of understanding. So let me try and help you. Let's try and build a foundational understanding out of which we would come into some questions. So let me start from here. By stating emphatically and reminding us what the Bible teaches that God designed marriage as a beautiful union between a man and a woman. Yes, a man and a woman. God designed it. It's not just some cohabiting scheme so that two people don't have to pay separate house rent. No. God designed marriage as a beautiful union between a man and a woman. Listen to me. Marriage leaks who God is. It is a very God thing through and through. It was a part of God's creation design. God designed marriage in this beauty. I believe God designed good Beautiful hot sex for marriage. <laughs> let me help you this morning. The devil, in case you don't know, let me just help you. The devil did not invent sex. In case you're thinking of every challenge you have in your life in the area of sex, you say Satan has given us something to deal with. The devil didn't invent sex. What do you think Satan ever invented? Nothing. He only specializes in perverting what God invents. The devil is not that smart. How could he have possibly thought about sex? He's not that wise. I promise you, he's not. Oh man, it's beautiful. Oh, come on. So, in Matthew 19, from verse 4, I'll, I'll be in King James, New King James, Jesus answered them and said, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? And then he says, and, and, and said, for this reason shall a man. So, so Jesus is telling them that, look, as you're coming into this marriage conversation and this marriage question, I want you to explore it out of understanding the creation design of God. I want you to know that God actually sat down and began to plan it out and began to think of how beautiful marriage would look. And God thought of how a woman would be. God thought of how a man would be. And God made them male and female. And then he began to bring them together and put a fusion and put a thing in the man for the woman, a thing and the woman for the man and then he began to plan and add a beautiful God thing and Jesus said God calls it marriage and this is God's design God said I am personally involved in it what God joins together it is God that does the joining God puts it in and joins it and stamps it it is a beautiful God thing it's not just some social arrangement for people that are 30 and above it is a beautiful God thing you see this was quite a shock for the disciples because they have seen all sorts. And I think the same with us. I come now and I'm saying marriage is a beautiful thing. <laughs> For the few that get it right. You probably have seen models and seen things in front of you. Maybe you grew up in a marriage or in a home that is just far from something you would ever desire for your enemy. But, but I'm, I'm, I'm standing to say, wait, let's rediscover the foundation chapters before we come into the, to the questions, okay? So marriage is a beautiful God then. We've seen perversions. We've seen people who didn't get it right. Also, not so right. We all have models and ideals that have affected how we see these things, that have shaped us. Maybe you've seen movies, 
Maybe you've, you, you, you spend time on social media, you know. Maybe you check statistics. Maybe it's even a home you grew up in. Maybe you grew up in the middle of violence. And then it has put a shape in your mind of when you think of the word marriage. Um, but today I would say, let's, let's rediscover. Jesus would say, let us talk about God's original design. So his disciples are here in these situations and questions they're facing. And Jesus brings them to say, let's talk about God's original design here. Let's talk about the fact that God made this thing. Let's rediscover the foundations. And then based on that, we would come to your questions. Let's rediscover the God model. Um, the bonding and intimacy of male and female is a God design. And, and what I want to try and do today is because in your own context, I believe you have a journey to play out. You know, as you put your own creative expressions to this God design. As you explore it in the realms of creativity or lack of creativity. As you explore and build your own journey. I just want us to discover the beauty of the principles that underlay this thing that God designed. And so everybody's story might look different, but I believe that there are principles that run through it. And so let me start from Hebrews 13. I'm going somewhere this morning. I'm going to land somewhere in, in some minutes. Hebrews chapter 13 and from verse 4, the Bible says, Marriage is honorable among all and the bed undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. Hebrews 13 and verse 4. So first thing I want to emphasize is that marriage in God's sight is honorable. It's honorable. It's not a cheap thing. And so we from start must start to esteem it again. The fact that people have played it down and we live in a world that just cheapens it. Somebody jumps into a marriage, jumps out of it. It's just one of those things at an age in your life. Can we rediscover this morning and remind ourselves that it is an honorable thing. It is an honorable thing. It is not light. It is not just some side thing. Some, you know, it is an honorable thing. Whether you're in it or you're outside of it, I encourage you this morning to look at it again the way God looks at it, God says, I look at it as an honorable thing. I look at it as a thing that carries honor, that carries weight. I don't just see it as a cheap thing that people just stumble in and around. God says, no, I treat it as an honorable thing. When God sat down to design this mystery called marriage, and I can imagine angels leaning over his shoulder and saying, God, what are you designing? And he says, there's this beautiful thing in creation I'm trying to plan out and put together. And angels are leaning over his shoulder and saying, God, what is that? And as God was designing it, and he says, look, I'm going to put a man and a woman. And they say, what would a man look like? What would a woman look like? And God is explaining to the angels how there would be a thing in the man for the woman and would work all of this out. And God is saying, look, there'll be this beauty to it. And God says, you know what? I'm going to make it an honorable thing. And the angels are wowed about this God's creative design. God sees it as an honorable thing. And we must see it as an honorable thing. Don't let people who have messed up their marriages make you undermine what God calls it. Don't let people who have made mistakes and messed up their life make you undermine what God calls it. Don't sit in a marriage like it's just a cheap thing that I did because no, no, no. It is an honorable thing. It carries a weight of God. It carries the honor of God. We must see it as such as an honorable thing. We must give it the honor that it is due. Marriage is not about a beautiful party that starts it. It's about an honorable pathway that we walk. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 25, 
Paul begins to write about the marriage picture. Then he's talking about husbands loving their wives just as Christ also loved the church. And he's writing this great narrative about love and submission and understanding and giving ourselves for one another. And the second thing I'll say to you this morning is that marriage is love-based. Marriage is love-based. The Bible says... Husbands love your wives. Marriage is love-based. Marriage is something that functions within the space of love. We tried to explore that last week. And we're talking about how love is large. Love is a safe harbor. This is how marriage functions. This is how marriage thrives. It thrives within a space of love. It is a commitment to allow God to lead us and find expression out of us. We began to say last week that there's something the Holy Spirit works in us that we can then work out. That there is an experience that we begin to get expression to and this is the story of marriage that it is a working of the love of God it is not just about what I like and how I feel it is love based it is a love based commitment we are growing larger and larger and kinder and kinder and submitting to one another because runs on the basis of love the Bible is not so much filled, when I say love, the Bible is not so much filled with stories of, you know, men, marry the woman you love. No, it is filled with stories of husbands love the woman you married. Husbands love your wife. You don't see your Bible, marry the woman you love. You don't see that in your Bible, okay? But the one you have married, love her. Love is a commitment. Love is not a feeling. Are you hearing me this morning? You know, I know we live in a generation, and like I say, I'm going to step in some of our spaces, but we live in a generation where it's all, you know, married about the fancy thing, and you know how I felt when I first saw that's all good. I read my Bible and I say, Abraham took a wife. But he loved his wife. However, you feel on Monday morning, that's fine. But I'm asking you about a commitment to love. This is the Christian life. Are you hearing me this morning? The one spending 10 years saying, do I really love, you know, because sometimes. (laughs) Isaac took his wife. Abraham took his wife. David took his wife. Took. Took. (laughs) So the one you took, love. So you're telling me that, you know, five years ago when we married, I felt I love. Now that you are love. You see, love is full of transparency and sincerity. This was God's beautiful design when he put Adam and Eve together. Can you picture in your mind God putting Adam and Eve in the garden and marrying them and initiating this thing called a marriage, this beautiful institution? Can you picture in your mind Eve now having a basket of fruits in one corner of Eden that Adam will not know about? Because in case one day Adam does not pluck enough fruits and we have it's about sincerity and transparency. You don't absolutely, you see, in a marriage, men, women, marriage, God's beautiful design that we rediscover is a design of sincerity and openness and transparency and that's the journey we must be learning to travel. I'm going to land in a moment and be telling us that, you see, whether you're married or you're not yet married, the truth is, if you're not yet married, I'll show you in a moment that you're already on a journey that is going to land somewhere. All right? When a plane takes off and it's flying, the way it is flying determines where it will land. You cannot be flying towards uh, America and think you will land in Japan. Do you understand what I'm saying? When we see the directions you're already flying, we know whether you can land in a sincere and open marriage. Talk in your life group. I'm not the talking type. Tomorrow at 9.30 a.m., why are you concerned? 
A plane flying to America cannot land in Japan. If you have not trained, do you understand what I'm saying here? Marriage is about sincerity, love. Let God work in your heart, people. Kill suspicion. Kill a life of second guessing, suspicion. Reactive, reactive to a broken world. I believe that marriage also brings us into a kingdom thinking. This much more that God is doing in our lives. God wants us to see marriage as stewardship, not just about us. God wants us to look in those spaces as spaces of his stewardship upon our lives. You see, when God brings Eve to Adam, it was not just about Adam's feelings and Eve's feelings. It was about something missing in God's creation design. God said, it is not good in my creation. God had just said, it is good. Light is good. This is good. That is good. Then God looked in his creation design and saw something that was missing. And then he brought a woman to a man. I believe it's a statement for every marriage. It's a statement for every Christian home that God is seeing something in the world and he's bringing one of his children to another and saying it's more than just how you feel and what you don't like. This is God saying, see more, dream more, come into more, live for more, come into the larger. And so what I want, what I want to do this morning is that I'm, I'm touching in two spaces and I'm finally going to land um, in a good place. Um, but I was thinking about it this morning that when, when I start to think, talk about marriage and I start to talk about some of the sex questions in my day and age. Um, who likes Coke? Fantastic. You really like Coke? Who wants Coke? That should have been the better question. All right. Um, I think I saw your hand, Joseph. Come. You want Coke? I'll give you. I promise. Come. I'm tired. Help me. He wants cook. So, no, just bring it out. Just bring it out there. Thank you so much. So, you want cook. Thank you. One or two caring people. You want cook. This is. Do you really want cook? Or you want a bottle of Coke? The bottle of Coke. Or Coke. I can give you Coke in different ways. You want the bottle of Coke. Or if you even want Coke. There are different ways I can give you Coke. I'll, I'll give it to you in a minute. Just sit for a minute. There are different ways I can give you Coke. And I think this is the language of a generation. We stand up shouting, we want Coke. And God is saying, I want to give you a bottle of Coke. Watch this. We, we stand up saying, sex is beautiful. And God says, yes, I know. So I will put it in a package called marriage and give it to you. But we stand up. Listen, Coke is really good. I promise you. But you really don't just want Coke. You want a bottle of Coke. It doesn't undermine what Coke is. It doesn't take anything away from what Coke is. You see, God designs frameworks, not just experiences. God is so beautiful that he plans out stories, not just moments. So you know the way we behave as a generation? This is how we act. So we say, okay, okay. Um... We want, uh, okay, God's plan is that we have the bottle of Coke. So we now start. <laughs> I do not drink. 
Did I drink? Maybe they said we should not drink Coke. <laughs> they you not go like this. <laughs> no. 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 Hey, it's a mistake. Oh, it's a mistake. Why don't you understand the heart of what God is saying? Is he saying, I'm depriving you, I've locked it, I've locked it, I've locked it. No, he's saying, it is so beautiful that I want to give it to you like that. I become a thief over what they want to give you as an owner. But you see, we live in a generation that has undermined the concept of a bottle of Coke. So, literally, some people have pierced here, pierced here, pierced here. Pierced. Carrying a bottle that lacks meaning, that lacks the weight of what God is saying. So when I start to say things to you like, honor it, honor it, don't see it as uh, this is the thing that is depriving us. No, it is the beauty of God. Do you really want to pour this thing on your hand and be walking around? It is the love of God that gives you a God framework for a God thing. It is the love of God. It was God that said, let us make man in our image. And then it is God that dreamed and designed to bring it together. It was God that thought about it. So we start to talk about technicalities. When this thing should just be in the fridge, chilling. Leave it in the fridge. When it's time, bring it out and drink. Amen? Amen. And when I say, no, I don't like cookies. Fanta I like Where are you? Go to Sycamore Kids. Go. go. I can't explain better. <laughs> Just go to Sycamore Kids. They'll help you. So this is God then. It's a God then. It carries the weight of God. That's what I'm trying to show us. It's not a societal arrangement. It's not um, an age group satisfaction scheme. No. It's a God thing that God dreamed of. That God is committed to. Think about how, I tell all of you, you know what, my birthday is in two weeks' time. Everybody, come to my birthday party. I'm going to spoil you guys with all kinds of food. Everything you can imagine. And then you stay awake overnight. And then you are practicing. If they give me rice, that's how I will chew. I will chew, chew. Calm down. Live your life. Two days' time, come to my party. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you practice from today till tomorrow, the birthday is in two days' time. Do you understand what I'm saying? So you're living your whole life, losing the point, killing yourself over technicalities that God, God says, I have designed a story. Live the moments for what they are. The beauty is unlocked within the affirmation of the God story. So this morning I would ask you, what is your story? What is your story? As we come to the seventh chapter of your story, what can we point at in the first six chapters? What is your story? Can you stand up this morning saying things like, God has never left me alone. God is not unaware of how I feel. God is a right on time God. God is a very present God. God is a God that knows the deepest feelings of my heart. Can this be the story of our six chapters that give us a confidence and an affirmation for everything ahead? Can we live our lives in such a way that we're not just jumping into the seventh chapter and trying to say that's the question? Or can we really lean this story of the six chapters that we have found? 
Can you stand up this morning saying things like, God is at work in me by the power of the Holy Spirit. Can you say things to yourself this morning like God is enlarging me to love. God is walking me through processes. God is teaching me. God is training me. God is shaping my mind. God is giving me a perspective of life. God is healing my heart of, of the hurt of what people did and all the things I felt like I should be reacting to. God is healing my heart. God is giving me a new image that is stronger than the marriage I saw of my parents and of people around. God is giving me a new image. God is working in my mind. God is, can this be the story of your six chapters that you're leading into and committed to as you step into the seventh can you stand up this morning and saying that look i'm right on time in god's eternal processes that god is not a cheat god is not a mock god god is not a god who puts a smell in front of me and says don't touch god is a loving father i have known this i have walked in this and it is out of that that i would find the story so so two things that i would say to you as i close about marriage as i make ready to close this morning First thing I want to say, please come on keys. First thing I want to say is that marriage, and please hear me through. Hear my two points through. The first thing I'll say this morning is that marriage is not even that deep. It's not even that deep. Because for many of you, marriage, the picture you have in your mind is like buying a phone. And then they say, send a text message. And you say, yes, I'm going to send a text message. But I'm trying to understand the intricacies of how the phone was wired. And how, when I type A, how it is going to come out as A. And, and I'm trying to understand how they designed it. And, and, and if I press send, where does it pass through for the message? I will send the message, but I'm trying to understand the technicalities of the phone. It's not that deep. Send the message. Send the message. I, I, I see people at 50 years old. You see, I'm trying to check the socio-economic compatibility between me and her. It's not that deep. Abraham took a wife and loved his wife. It's not that deep. We, we, we want to marry, but, you know, we don't have money for the ceremony. It's not that deep. You and your wife can come to my office. I will join you. It's not that deep. The, the day we want to marry, the, the, the vendor that is supposed to supply our flower is not around. The vendor of the hall we want to use is not available. It's not that deep. Yes, sir. It's not that deep. Yes, sir. You are the one that came up with all those fancy stories, sir. Are, are you hearing me this morning? Yes, sir. It's not that deep. Let me look at somebody say, marriage is not that deep. I, 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 had, I had a loved one in my life at some point who, who told me that he was to marry at a particular time and he said, no, he's not marrying. He's going to postpone his marriage by several months. So then I was saying, why? And then he said that um, he was trying to time his marriage for World Cup so that he and his wife can go on honeymoon to World Cup. It's not that deep. It's not that deep. Listen, listen, it is a beautiful God thing. God has already blessed it. God has already said it is good for the man to be with the woman. God has already honored it. God has already blessed it. We are stepping into a God thing when we step into those spaces. The favor of God is on this thing. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Did you hear that? You are finding favor. You are finding help as you step into a God space. It's not that deep. God has already done the wiring and the intricacies and blessed it in a thing called marriage. As we take it up, we're stepping in a God name. It's not that deep. I've been saving for the last three years to marry. Why? Why? Do what you can afford. Go home with your wife. You are borrowing money to marry. Why? Why? Listen, let me tell you the truth. The day you finally fix your wedding and you say that day we're going to shut town down. Let me tell you the truth. There are like 10 other people that are saying the same thing. We may know all 10. We might come for your wedding for 10 minutes and go to the next one. So whatever you have or don't have, we will still get it in the next one. Understand what I'm saying? 
If in your wedding there's no coke, we'll manage your pure water. We'll go if you have, or we'll buy on our way to the next one. They will have juice there. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not that deep. Don't kill yourself. Listen, the plague of our generation, the plague of our generation is beautiful wedding ceremonies but ugly marriages. Beautiful ceremony, ugly marriages. We don't understand marriage as a God thing. We think it's a ceremony and a party. So you dance your head off instead of thinking with that head of the commitment of love. Empty. Somebody is standing to exchange vows in a, in a marriage. You are making a commitment with a vow. You are thinking, hey, the rice for the friends of the siblings of the wife. Have they brought it? It's not that deep. Exchange your vows. Anything that would distract you from your vow is not worth it in a ceremony. It's not worth it. It's an honorable thing. It's a God thing. So people go late to their weddings. I feel like flogging you. I feel like flogging you. You go late to your marriage. Because what were you doing? Makeup. You go late to your wedding. You don't understand. It's not that deep. If we have picture, fine. If we don't have picture, fine. It's not that deep. That's the point. That's the point. Somewhere in your mind, you are thinking, no, there are some things that must. Listen, the favor and the blessing and the hand of God is more than enough. Everything we get to add, bring it on. But whatever we can't, we can't. It's not that deep. So people sit down in their homes and the first two months, they don't even find their balance. Because they have killed themselves for a ceremony that people have forgotten about. The people that came have forgotten, I'm telling you. Because they've attended another 10 after your own. That day, they went to another one. It's not that deep. You are thinking that it is deeper than it is because you have lost a picture of the architect who designed it. So that's why you are thinking, uh, you're, 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 you're thinking it's deeper because you've lost the sense of God designed it. And the second point this morning is that secondly, marriage is actually very deep. It's actually very deep. And, and, and what I want to say is that because of all that it is to God, we must discover a response of responsibility to it. Because of what it weighs to God, it must not be a light-minded thing to us. It's like your mother sent you to go and buy a crate of eggs and they have saved in your family and then, you know, they put money together and say, okay, go and buy egg gold and we can be eating this month. And then you went to buy the eggs and you are coming back and then you saw your friends playing ball and you dropped the eggs there. You are joining them to, ah! Or the famous going to grind pepper one. You know that one? And then you went to grind pepper and you are coming back and then you saw them playing. You said, let me just join them for five minutes. Then you use the pepper to make post. So, so, so this is what I'm saying to you. That when we see the honor that God puts on it, then it must be waking up a sense of responsibility in us. We must be responding with a sense of responsibility and of weight and of large-heartedness and of honor on this thing that God saved. It is not that deep in the things that call you to trust God as a good father, but it is deep in the things that call you to be responsible. It is deep in the things that call you to build character. Don't just jump into marriage. Yeah, yeah, I'm the kind of person that gives everybody a piece of my mind. I can't take nonsense. I can't build character. It is deeper than that, people. 
did you hear what Jesus said? Those who grow into the largeness of marriage. That there's a largeness you must be allowing God to bring you into. It's not just a side casual thing. People are, I see people with the mind of a, of a teenager locked up in a 35-year-old. And they are carrying a 35-year-old body to marry with the mind of a teenager. What, listen, I told them in Campus Connect, I said almost everything important that you do in your life, you are taught for it. You are taught to drive. You go to a driving school, hopefully. You are taught. You are taught to bake when you wanted to start baking. You are taught to use the gas cooker. You are taught. You are taught. What is teaching you for marriage? You find that generally speaking, people are not learning. People are just planning a ceremony. And all you have lived your life with are models of what you saw with your parents. Models of what you saw with that guy. The violence that you saw. The movies you saw. And so you are on your way to repeat those same things. Except something is teaching you. What is teaching you? It's a deep thing that you've been learning towards. How many books have you read? How many, how many studies have you done? On what, have you looked at Ephesians 5 or what the Bible says about Christ and the church? And you say you have fixed wedding dates. To do what? It is deep. It is deep in the call to responsibility. To handle it as a serious thing. You think it's just about the number of clothes that you have that we can... How many? How many do we have? We now have 10. We're ready to marry. <laughs> I, I love to see couples that put on anko. Ah, the alukos. You guys are amazing. Did you wear anko today? Hey, where's your husband? He's on site? So, oh, he's back. Oh, fantastic. Mr. Alukos, I'm so grateful for you. I'm so grateful for you. I'm sorry, I didn't allow you to sit with your wife. It had to be about the work of the Lord. He's, he's leading some of the work on the site. And um, we're grateful for you and all the precious people in our church. And, uh, part of this. It's a deep thing. Oh. It's a deep thing. Character. Character. It is such... I told myself years ago, God gave me an amazing wife five and, five and a half years ago. God blessed me with an amazing wife. I told myself, for God to give me his precious child, it's not a small thing. You must not handle it like a foolish person. I want to love her. I want to stretch myself. I want to do all I can. I want to, I want to be in the front foot of, of growing into this space called marriage. It is a deep thing. We live in a very empty generation. I'm sorry to say a very stupid generation that doesn't value things that are valuable. All the models that we have as a culture are weak, foolish models. I'm sorry to say Everything that is celebrated is just skill, emptiness, moment flashes. In the days when we were growing up, you would, you would win, you, you'd be on TV for winning, you know, um, um, an academic intellectual contest. Now you would win uh, five million naira by dancing. So, do you see where value is going? So people will not read, they dancing, yes, they will practice dance. <laughs> so you see why we have big problems? Because when Satan tried to infiltrate your home. And you start dancing. Let's say. So we have problems. The world teaches us that it's all about ceremonies. You know, somebody, one of my guys texted me last night. He said, hey, pastor, somewhere in Europe. He said, pastor, that I, I just proposed. We're gay now. Congratulations. Propose, you engage, do anything you want to do. 
But don't based on fanfare, loose substance. Hmm? I did not propose to my wife. Come and challenge our marriage. Come. Come. Stand up. Slap you. Slap you. I did not say it is wrong to propose. But from the day I came to her, I told her I want to marry her. I asked her for a relationship that is leading to marriage. So I don't know what will surprise her if I go there. She said, oh, I didn't see that coming. What were we then doing before? So I may look like an old man to you, but I am happy in my marriage. it's unfortunate that we, we, we switch it. We make marriage deep in the things of questions that are simply about God's goodness. And then we make it shallow in the things we should have responsibility about. We just switch. So we are deep on things that are just about trusting God and they are worrying. I call many people and I say, when do you want to get married? What is top of your mind? Hey, where will I get the money? Where will I get? I say, trust God. Trust God. The things you should be, you are deep in those things. And then the things you should be deep about we're shallowing them. Let's think character strength. Let's learn discipline. God, let the Holy Spirit work in you. Wherever you are on this flying plane, whether your plane has landed on a road, whether you are somewhere figuring out your way, wherever you are in this journey, I'm just saying to you that the way you fly is the way you will land. The direction you fly is the direction you will land. So in a moment, I'm going to pray love to pray for people wherever you are on this journey whether you are building a home, whether you're engaged, whether you are single trusting God, whether you're not even trusting God in this time for that, wherever you are on this journey, I would love to pray for you in a moment because I would love to see people grow in the largeness of these directions I love to see people grow in the largeness of what God says is beautiful and is purpose and is God's mind for you I would love to see people grow, I would love to see our homes take more ground and be expanded and you know see more of God's kingdom, I would love to see us grow in these directions, marriage does not start on a wedding day and it doesn't end on a wedding day but as I close this morning, Tim, come. As I close this morning, I'm, I'm, I'm going to show you Ephesians and refer you to Ephesians chapter 5 again. Because when you read the Bible, there are two things that I think we must constantly be looking out for. I think that as we read the Bible, um, who did I promise to cook? I promised you to cook. You know what some people do with their cook again? They then, you know, no. <laughs> so you remove the gas. <laughs> Ouch, sorry, sorry. So, so as, I, as, I, as I read Ephesians chapter 5 anybody been blessed this morning? am I, am I able to speak to anybody? as I read Ephesians chapter 5 this, this morning I, I, I'm thinking about how you know we can read the Bible as, as this story of principles and of how marriage is honorable and how I must love and how I must live up to the largeness and how it must be a stewardship and we can read it as a story of principles and principles and principles and that's one way to read your Bible there are so many principles in the Bible but I think there's also a more beautiful way to read the Bible as a story of a principle that there is a person that the scriptures point towards that the scriptures are a pointer towards Jesus and I love what Paul does in Ephesians 5 Paul is saying look you're in this husband 
wife's space, you are in this singleness space, you have questions, you're not sure how to interpret that, what to do with that. But Paul says, you know what, let me use these things you are dealing with to point you to Christ. Let me use these things you are dealing with to show you that it's really about the love of Christ towards us and an expression that we would find out of that. And so this morning, I want to encourage people. I want to say that more than the questions you're dealing with, can there be a pointer this morning? More than where you are on this journey, can there be a pointer this morning to Christ who has shown you a model, who has loved you, who has said, look, I am a model for you. And as you live your life and as you take one more step, you are coming into that full picture of who I am to you. It's crazy to me that Paul would liken me loving my wife to Christ loving the church. It's, it's audacious. It's crazy to me, but I can't get over the fact that God doesn't just want me to take these things as principles to live up to. He wants me to take it as a relationship to come into. A relationship with Jesus, with God, that will fuel me, that will empower me in every day, that would show me how to live, that would teach me how to love, that would help me get over that struggle, that would help me deal with where I can't help myself, that would, that would help me in the places where I'm confused and I'm weak. There is a relationship with Jesus that is very present, that is not far away, that is not just some heaven day, that is right here with me, that understands what I'm dealing with. Do you know that out of that relationship with Jesus, I can be a better man, I can be a better husband? Do you know I can deal with my attitudes better? Do you know that by the power of the Holy Spirit, I can be more in charge of how I feel on a Monday night and when I don't even feel like and when I feel like I've had it up to my limit? Do you know that God can work in us by the power of the Holy Spirit and can give us a freshness and we can build strong homes and build strong spaces and, and build our lives in a strong, meaningful way? We do not have to waste our life. Maybe you're here this morning living as a victim of all that the world has done you don't have to live the rest of your life as the story of a victim because of Jesus you don't have to you don't have to switch it because of Jesus you don't have to and so I would love to pray for people this morning I, I, I believe that wherever you are God is bringing us into larger spaces God is bringing us into more I believe that God is challenging us and calling us to live lives that are strong and prospering in these purpose. And so this is how I'm going to do it this morning. Um, can we just stand together to our feet where you are? If you're next to your husband or your wife, please hold your hands um, where you are. If you're next to somebody you're engaged to, you can also hold your hands. your husband or your wife let's do this look at your husband look at your wife and say these words say I do and I still do say that again say I do and I still do I honor you value you I make a commitment to love you as God empowers me for the rest of my life and everybody said amen if you're next to somebody you're engaged to, will you say this after me? I'm not joining you, but just say these words. Say, I will leave and I will leave. God will empower me to love you, to honor you. And together, we will discover God's beautiful purpose for us. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're single, would you say these words? Say, I'm being prepared. God is right on time. God is never late. 
I will not lose my values. I will not cheapen the honorable. See, my cleaving strength is intact. In Jesus' name. Father, I pray for everybody under the sound of my voice this morning. And I know, God, people are at different points in their journeys. People are at different points in discovering this. And Lord, it was your picture that said a man would leave and he would cleave. There's this thing you work in us that gives us the power to leave one thing and to cleave to this beautiful design of God. And God, I pray in the name of Jesus, we are empowered for it. And wherever people are on that journey this morning, I pray the hand of God and I pray the favor of God and I pray the goodness of God in the name of Jesus. I pray that God would uphold you in your very present situations and you will know the love of God indeed. That it will be a new experience in you every day so that it can be a fresh expression out of your life in Jesus name and everybody said amen if you receive God's word this morning let's give God the praise and the glory amen while we stay standing I want to make an invitation this morning um, for somebody to be reconciled with Jesus I don't know who you are or how you came about being in church this morning but I just request that we honor the moment wherever you are under the sound of my voice let's just remain standing, remain still and let's just be meditative I want you for a moment to think about where you stand with God you see if anybody has a right standing with God there's only one way we can it's through relationship with Jesus um, Jesus is the one who said I'm the way, I'm the truth and I'm the life nobody can come to the Father except by me there's no hard work, there's no striving that will put you right with God I don't know what your story is this morning, where you've been, what you've done. Maybe you've really messed up. Maybe you feel like a victim. Maybe you've made poor choices in these areas we speak. Maybe in some area of your life, you, you just know this morning that as we speak, you're needing of Jesus. You need to be forgiven. You need to be made right with God. Maybe at some point in your life, you had made a decision to be born again. But as we speak today, you know you've walked away from it. You've made poor choices. You're living far away from God. You are, you are cheapening the honorable. You're perverting what God designs for beauty in your life. And you need help this morning. Today can be a miracle in your life. I'm just going to ask where you are, that we all just close our eyes and bow our heads. Um, let's just honor this moment for a friend, for a loved one. Somebody needs Jesus this morning. Somebody needs Jesus this morning. If that's you and you say you're speaking to me, God bless you. I already see your hand there. I already see your hand. If you want to join in, please join in. One, two, three. Shoot it up high and unashamed. God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else? Anybody else? God bless you. God bless you. I see your hands all the way to the back. God bless you. Miracles all around this room. People need Jesus. God bless you. Anybody else? Anybody else want to join in? God bless you. God bless you. I see another hand there. God bless you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Raise it high and unashamed. Let him know. Let him know. There's a miracle that is about to happen in your heart. Let Jesus see you. Let him know you. God bless you. God bless you. More hands. God bless you. God bless you. There's a miracle in this house. People, people, don't, don't harden your heart to the love of a Savior. Don't harden your heart. God bless you. More hands. Anybody else want to join in? Raise it high and unashamed. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. God bless you. 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 It just takes the humility of surrender. God bless you. I see more hands there. God bless you. God bless you. It just takes the humility of surrender. You said to me, this story in your life does not have to be a story of condemnation and of mistakes. It can be a story of grace. It can be a story of grace. 
People say yes to Jesus today. That's what you're doing. You're making it a story of grace, the story of the gracious Savior who died for your worst and believes your best. God bless you. God bless you. If there your heart is nudging you and you're not bold enough to take a stand in church, then I promise you, you can't take a stand in the world. This is your chance, somebody. This is your chance. Anybody else? This is your chance. Can I give somebody 10 more seconds? 10 more seconds. Let, let, let's see if we have one more miracle. God bless you. God bless you. 10 more seconds. God bless you. There you go. God bless you. Miracle. Miracle. I love miracles. I love miracles. Oh, you just put your name on a miracle, somebody. I love miracles. Hands all over the room. God bless you. It's a new day. It's a new season. Now, if you raised your hand, I want you to put that hand on your chest. I want everybody in church this morning to say these words. This is a family, not a crowd. We want to stand with you. We want to identify with you. The Bible says with our hearts, we believe. That's why I'm asking you to put your hand there as a sign of a heart that is surrendered. And then the Bible says with our mouths, we confess unto salvation. So you're going to say these words, say it with faith in your heart. Can we all say together this morning, Heavenly Father, I come to you today because you've made a way for me to come through the death, the burial, and the resurrection of your son Jesus. I believe with all my heart that Jesus Christ is the son of God and he's the savior of the world. Say today I confess Jesus as my Lord and my savior. Say I give everything to follow you. Say I will live for you. I will stand for you. Say forgive me of the past and please give me a whole new start. Now say, I am yours. I'm your child. Empowered by the Holy Spirit. Renewed by your grace. Say, one day, I'll be with you in heaven. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Come on. Come on. We are so honored to have been able to share this teaching message with you from Sycamore Church, Ibadan, Nigeria. We really hope you found it to be a blessing. To find out more about us or how you can receive more resources from our church or our pastor, Tolulokpemudi, please visit our website, www.sikamore.church. That's S-Y-C-A-M-O-R-E.church. Or on Facebook and YouTube at Sikamore Church and on Instagram and Twitter at Sikamore underscore church. If you're ever anywhere around us, we'll be super honored to welcome you at one of our services.